Neville, what did you hide? Como? How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Um, living through these times, making the best of this here situation. But yeah, I'm very happy. In fact, I don't have much to be uh, complaining about. And I'm also happy that you're able to make this here episode. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, man. I woke up a bit like off because I sleep quite late um, doing some work. But I'm, your schedule is also off. It's annoyingly off. Like I don't get why. I just don't have like structure anymore. But, like it's fine. I have to make it work. Yeah, I have. That's one of the things that I have been trying to establish is a schedule because I realized that I shouldn't be hard on myself in this lockdown period because. We're all trying to figure it out. But at the same time, I know the value in creating some kind of a structure so that I can get deadlines on time. I can do my work on time, all of those different stuff. So it's also been quite an adjustment as it pertains to um, figuring out what the schedule will be. But you know what, at least we were able to schedule this and make sure it actually happens. <laughs> So we're going to be talking about collaboration and you and I have recently collaborated on a project that we're working on. I know you have also been a collaborator in a number of projects. I've also done a fair share and we've had this conversation before about our experiences with collaboration and I figured it would be quite cool for us to have it in a public format for us to really maybe engage other people about maybe our peers as well in terms of what we can do to establish collaboration. Because I think one thing we both kind of off the bat didn't, one thing we both observed was that we still don't really have a collaborative spirit in and amongst the peers, or at least in like the local space that we are in. Um, and there's a need to cultivate that. So I'm looking forward to chatting, that ab about, chatting about that with you. But I mean, first, let's take it a couple of steps back, getting to know you. Um, you are a photographer, so maybe we can start from what drew you to the craft. And I say craft because I know you are quite artistic in your approach to photography. So yeah. where does it begin for you? Um, for me, it started off um, as like a little hobby when I still lived in Cape Town. Like I used to play around with like my little Nokia N80, I think, just like taking photos of like the bushveld where I used to live, which is quite inter interesting because I used to really enjoy shooting um, golden hour landscapes at the time mm. until I came back to Victoria in like 2010 and I I think in 2011 if not matric these two boys in my high school started like a photography duo thing that they were doing and I thought they were the coolest boys ever because like here you are um, just going left of center and then just doing something you really enjoy and apparently my granddad was also a photographer so that's just something mm. that has been in my family as well my mother took photos for the traffic department um, here in like the neighborhood. So I just always been around me. So I think I, but it started seriously in my first year of public relations, which is like 2015. And oh, you start, you studied public relations first. Yeah, I, did. I didn't finish it though because I'm like, why am I here? Oh, okay. I studied PR. <laughs> So then at which point in that in that transition did you move from PR? What what clicked to make you or oh, did, did you quit knowing? Did you quit PR knowing that you're moving to photography? And what, what so what clicked it? 
So when, while I was doing um, public relations at Damelin, I was also doing a short course at Vega at the same time because I'm like, I really don't, because initially I was- You better multitask. <laughs> I needed to, I didn't really, I knew from the, from high school, like I want to do photography, but um, it just didn't work out. My parents were like, no, rather do something more serious. Cause I just obviously worried about the, it's like me making money or just being successful. Mm-hmm. So I like, I'm going to prove myself to these people that I'm going to do a short course in photography just to show how serious I am. And while doing that, I realized actually this is where I really want to be. And I told my dad like after the, it was a six month course. So after that finished, I'm like, I actually do want to continue doing photography. Because he just thought, a lot of people in my family thought it was a phase where like it's going to pass. or like, oh, you're just going to lose interest and it's a hobby. Until five years later, I still want to do this course. And then I told my parents that I need to register at a school as in today. Mm. So he was like, okay, let's work it out and then see what happens. And a friend of mine um, was studying at TUT and told me to come to an open day. And then I did that. I took like three months to do my portfolio for submission and submitted it. And then we're here now, like five-ish years later. That's that's really cool. And I wanted to ask while you were explaining that, be truthful, did you actually apply yourself in the PR? Or was it just no. like, you know, which... <laughs> yeah. It felt so forced onto me. I just felt like I needed yeah. to do it the time and then continue doing photography. I didn't apply myself. Um, although my lecturer at Vega was like, oh, you should really keep doing this and photography at the same time because they kind of like linked. And I just didn't see it at the time. I'm like, nope, no, ma'am, I'm not doing this. I need just to take photos for the rest of my life. Mm. And yeah, but now I feel like I need to go back to some sort of public relations or marketing or um, advertising um, after photography. So now, is that something now that you're thinking about? Definitely, yeah. In what respect? Is it because so you're not fulfilled in photography or is it something that you just want to add? Yeah, just adding on because I just realized how, because now that I'm like in the industry and like working as a like working photographer, I understand how multifaceted these things are and how mm. wide the industry is. So I think me just adding on to my skill set and mm. work, I think I now have more information about the creative industry as a whole so I can do other things as opposed to like in 2014, 13, I didn't know much about the creative industry. What I knew was like, TV or music videos. I didn't know anything about behind the scenes of photography or like media. So now that I know I have more information, I am so keen onto like doing a marketing degree or like a public relations degree as opposed to just like doing a photography degree. It's so interesting to me because I, I also feel like there's something to be said about how I know a lot of parents tend, black parents specifically tend to want to force us, their kids into tend to want to force us into careers that are traditional because they believe that we need to have a backup plan. But in some ways, we also have the opportunity to work in that creative space and then find for ourselves what it is that we want to add on. You know, so, so not this whole thing of like, you know, you just have to establish what the backup plan is because I would, I would imagine that 
when you, if you would have started with a PR background and viewed that as your backup plan, your approach would to it wouldn't be the same way as now you're speaking about it. You know, it would be from the perspective of a backup plan, whereas now it is from the perspective of an adding to what it is that you want to achieve and how you want to grow as an artist, but also as a business person, but also as a person playing in the media space. Yeah, that's true. I'm also, I also went to a media school, as I mentioned, and I found it to be quite an interesting, I, I definitely interacted with a lot of my personalities in that space. And um, it was really, it, it was really, we, we were all almost on the same wavelength in terms of like, we're going to be somebody's one day. But they definitely, to bring it to the, the point of today's discussion, wasn't necessarily all the time that thing of like, okay, so then let's start building now. Let's start working together now so that by the time we're all out of here, we have something that we've already laid a foundation for. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what was your experience at a media school? Because you studied photography at? An arts campus in TUT. Yes, so what was that arts campus like in terms of working with other creatives? It was weird, man, because at first, no one wanted to collaborate. Even till today, no one really does a lot of collaborating. I don't know why that is, because and we always have, me and my friends always have the chat on campus, um, especially like the dance department, like where if we were to start a creative agency and hire everyone on this campus, we would be like crazy successful because we have media people, we have um, set designers, we have fashion designers, we have programmers, all these things. So um, I just, it was really funny for me when I did approach a few people to collaborate in the beginning and I was met with some weird um, ego and some like, no, I can't um, collaborate with these people. I don't want to collaborate with you. Or even just felt like I'm going to take over their space or whatever. I just, because I came on really strong like my first two years of like varsity and I wanted to do everything and just like talk to everyone. So people just received that in like a very weird way. And I found it really weird that no one was like, more keen to collaborate because we have everyone here we need to collaborate and um, we only tut only collaborates one time uh, a year which is the arts festival where yeah. everyone comes together and the whole festival uh, and i wish if, like i wish people had more like a more collaborative spirit when it comes to like just mm. the arts generally mm. i also definitely came into came in contact with a lot of like having to deal with the people more than the work. So by that, I mean like egos and um, having to convince that I am worth your time and worth your talents also so that we can work together. And it's so weird because even outside of media school now, when I wanted to start working on projects with other people outside of the media school still, I kind I personally felt a lot of that in terms of like a lot of people are standoffish, even if you are all in the same industry, which was kind of weird for me. And I also, this is the other thing. Personally, I'm also not a person who really wants to ever do anything alone. I truly like believe in in, in teamwork, like um, for example, in the project that we were doing, like I I I kept on saying to you, like whatever you want or would like to suggest to make this make sense, definitely chip in. Because I don't think, especially when you're trying to create something of impact or of substance, you can definitely have one direction. But the contribution and the collaboration becomes so much more important. So, I, so, so in your experience, was there a difference then when you moved from 
media school space, arts campus into like the professional space in terms of how you collaborate with people when you are on set and what projects you work on, what projects either you institute and are able to source people to help you out, whether it's models or assistants or lighting assistants or, or something like that. Did you notice a shift in kind of the community when you moved out of arts campus? Um, a little bit, um, but I had to really work on those connections and really like get people I knew I really wanted to work with and like build those friendships um, where, and it, it made more sense if we had the same vision or the same view on like a lot of things. And it became easier, not like better, but it just came easier to approach people because somehow just something made more sense after I left high school or art school. And there's like a, like a very small shift. I just don't know what it was, but like something shifted and people just started gravitating towards me. I think also the more I, the more I just stopped looking for like, help and started doing things myself just initiating projects um people just started coming to me and people that i really really like loved working with just started coming to me and like um asking to help me out with other location or like uh, a studio space or even drive me around um that also has made it easier to like yeah. work more and work easier with people that is something that i know to be true because even for me um and also another separate interview that I, that I watched was the Issa Rae interview with Roland Martin, where she speaks about collaboration and how yeah. we have a tendency to network up. So one of the things that I've come across is that, exactly, exactly. So one of the things that I've come across is how like people want to work for the established production companies or for um, yeah. the media spaces that already are a fully fledged um, platform that's running. And once you get to the point where you realize that, okay, people just kind of, well, I mean, it stands to reason because a lot of us were drawn to these industries by the legacies that currently exist. But I think in that kind of vision, something is lost along the way where we can be um, at a grassroots level galvanizing each other and working together to build whatever can be built for our own generation, you know? That's true. That's true. I believe that as well. And... It's like, for me, the, the, collective, the art scene in Pretoria and the art scene in Joburg are two different things. There's really okay. very little to no collaboration in Pretoria. I don't know why that is. There's, there were so many galleries in Pretoria when I first came to Pretoria. I don't know what happened to this I was galleries. about to say, it's very weird because when I first moved to Joburg, Pretoria was like an arts capital. Yeah, it was a scene, yeah. Mm. And uh, I don't know, after I started wanting to get into those spaces, I just realized how hard it is to get in those spaces. Other people just didn't trust you or just didn't know who you were or just didn't believe in your work or just, just didn't like you. I, I don't know why that was. And then going to Joburg and working or making more connections in Joburg, I just found it so much easier. People in Joburg are down to work all the time. It's like, I have a model, I'm a designer and I just need a cameraman in a space how, where can you do this? You just give someone a date and then they don't. In Pretoria, it takes weeks, if not months, to like collaborate with someone. And even then, it's, it's so half-assed and it's like, but I need more from you right now. And it's just like, oh no, um, mm. this is it. Um, I have things to do. I'm like, okay, fine. That's just really cool. This is the thing and also with collaboration is that when I'm asking to collaborate with you, I'm not saying I, you know, as the person who is leading in the vision, it is my vision, we're only working 
according to what I'm saying, in the truest sense of the word, I need you to bring your best as well. So, you know, you, you triggered me when you said, you know, people sometimes come through and they half ass it. It's just like, so it's, it's really sad to like see because you come through with all this energy, like it's starting to work and some are just like, okay, cool. I'll just stand here and just like, what should we do? And it's like, no, I need you to actually, let's like exchange ideas. Let's just go back and forth and see what we can come up with and just become like a great thing. What other skill in the collaborations that have been successful that you've worked with? Have you been like, oh, that would that that looks like something I could actually go into because you've been exposed to it? Because I think that's another thing that collaborations have the opportunity to do. What 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 other skills or interests have you gotten out of collaborations, if any? I have to think about that, but I think the top of my head is. Um, right now it's the food, it's the food. I think, because I had food assignments in, in, in varsity, right? We had to like shoot um, whatever food assignments they gave us. And after collaborating with a friend of mine on like a food assignment and how, I saw how he styled the food compared to how I did my first assignment in first year. I just did whatever, I got like marshmallows and like popcorn put it together. <laughs> and he put so much effort into like cooking and like styling and just, dripping all these things that made me seem like okay wait i have access to this person um i know there's like a good food industry so that opened my mind to like shooting more food photography and i did that as with, with um a family member of mine last week where she's opening up a restaurant and i called in someone to help me with the styling so that also just like continued building my portfolio as well with that i think for me what i have learned as a skill that I want to pursue is directing. Um, I really enjoy whether it's my vision or someone else's vision being given the task of how do I make sure that this tells a story? How do I figure out the beginning, middle and end of this narrative, you know, whether it's a series um, of photos or it's a short, a short film, or it's, you know, uh, content direction for a platform you know i've really kind of found that i really enjoy crafting the story in it you know and in some of the the, the projects that i've been in i really have had to take well a lot of the stuff that i've had to work on has been ideas that i come up with um, as opposed to being you know roped in by someone else um, so I have found that you know i do i i, I am a natural leader in those spaces because I tend to just have a very easy understanding of what a person is trying to achieve, um, but also being able to explain myself and what my vision is. Because I think that's another thing is that it's important to be able to communicate in, in team spaces and in collaborative spaces. Like I need to be able to say, okay guys, what I want us to achieve with this project is ABCD so that I don't also then kind of lead people to disappoint me, but in turn, I've, I've, I've dropped the ball in terms of explaining myself, you know, so that, that kind, of, kind of becomes very important to me. Uh, with me, I think I've also picked up like a really, um, like the one skill I also picked up was I just also directing, like art directing or creative directing a shoot. Um, because in the beginning, I was just really shy about my own voice and like my own, like what I want to say, because I just felt like it's just too much, just too grand. And working with people has also just afforded me 
the like the confidence to speak and voice out my opinions and say I do not like this I want this this way and not feel bad about just saying what I want and saying I want this because I want to obviously impress um, whoever I'm creating this for so I need to make sure I'm I'm clear of what I'm about to create. It's it's so interesting that you mentioned that because also part of sometimes the issue is something that comes up in, in teamwork is having to be sensitive to other people's feedback because also in an ideal situation everyone is there giving their best and their own work so how do you then criticize work without offending people and to answer my own kind of thought process is that if the it, two things the criticism has to be constructive and not an attack, right? Because we have to leave personal stuff like at the door. Like this is not yeah. about really, objective. really, really objective. And that's again why for me, the intention and the vision needs to be absolutely clear so that you can understand where my criticism is coming from. I think of like, for example, in the homecoming um, movie on Netflix, uh, Beyonce's homecoming movie, there's a part where she's giving feedback and notes to the crew. And oh, yeah, yeah. and she, she goes over a whole list of stuff and she's explaining what she wants and what she's asking for. And then when she ends it off, she ends it off by saying that, look, I know everyone is doing their best, but I think we can do a bit more. Like we can, we, we really need to, kind of, yeah, we need to land at the vision of it. So the first thing is um, we have to all kind of like establish that all criticism and the criticism itself has to be constructive but then at the same time, we also need to really be careful to not blur the lines between personal and professional. And that then also comes into play if we're all friends, right? Because there's that dynamic. Yeah. Getting criticism is the hardest thing, I swear. And I'm very attached to what I create. So it's really, really hard to <laughs> hear someone tell me, I might actually not like that. But I really try my hardest not <laughs> To not get offended because I know it's coming from a place of like um, just to build me as opposed to like break me. Yeah. So I has it ever been the case really that hard. it's more the delivery than it is the criticism? Definitely. Because here's the thing: I'm not trying to work with people who are like, no, I don't like that. Let's why though? Can we come up with something why else. Like, yeah. This is my thing: is that I don't mind someone not having an not liking an idea that I present, I need to understand what about it would you like to improve or what about it do you not like so that I can meet also your vision and we can continue to be aligned because that's constructive for me. No, but is far more constructive than no full stop. Yeah. So I've also had to learn to not get so personal about the feedback that I get. In first year, it's the hardest thing because I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like amazing. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, best, just don't do this, do this, because this looks better um, technically or conceptually, this looks better. So I had to learn to understand what all those things mean and just educating myself on what could look better, um, what is outdated, what is like happening, what is not happening as well. Especially with like school ends, because my school is very um, technique based. It's not, the creativity part is like after. We just need to agree, it's yeah. a very commercial school. So I had to learn um to take criticism especially with technique because i'm not the most technical photographer so having to learn to work on receiving criticism is really hard but like it's something i'm used to now because i know it's never going to end i will always be criticized because i 
we do create work, not necessarily for the public, but it's going to be viewed by the public and they're going mm. to give me feedback on what they think about it, whether they like it or not. And I have to learn to step out of my feelings and like my attachment to the work and just see what other people might see. Because it is subjective yeah. at the end of the day. I remember when I, um, when I joined Rhythm City as an actor, what I immediately, because I knew that that was my work as an actor immediately front facing right so if i do well I'll, I'll know about it if i if i do shit at it i will know about it i know that i can because i've trained before informally but there's still that thing of like people's reception of the work could make or break my you know my my deciding to continue with this thing but one thing that i did decide was that um and as far as like because I, I i do a lot of live tweeting while the show is on and you know just to interact with the viewers but what i decided from earlier on was that when it comes to criticism i'm not taking any anything seriously that isn't constructive so True. so for example i mean when people criticize the character itself and what they're doing that's understandable it's the storyline whatever but if a person has an issue with myself how i look how i speak mm. all of those stuff then Unless it's from a learned point of view, I don't regard it as, as something to take to heart, you know? Sure. I've also been really blessed to have people around me who know what I'm trying to do and always give me constructive feedback as opposed to like, oh, no, never no, just doing too much stuff. Mm. Um, it's just like, no, um, I see where you're going. Um, how about this? And how about that? Or how about next time you don't um, light your subject this way because it makes them look unflattering. Um, so I just, something I just keep on learning and educating myself on like um, what is and what isn't, especially like in the age of like social media, where even as opinion about what you're doing, um, it's really important to like just step back and like, you look, okay, this is not constructive. So let me not take it too seriously. And this is constructive because I can mm. see what this person is saying and move on from there. There's also that for me when it comes to um, criticism in that, Sometimes the person giving the criticism is just not qualified to criticize. So, yeah, like, you know, as much as I can appreciate that you don't, that, that you really like this or you really don't like it, I have to also qualify it. Because this is the other side, right? Being over complimented. And I mean, it's a dancing act because you want to stay positive. But it can be the case that the person who is complimenting your work doesn't know enough about the work for them to even give a compliment about it in the way that you need for your growth. So you also have to be woke yeah. to that, you know? I also really enjoy, like, um, critical like, um, viewing of my work. I, the first time that happened is someone, like, really looked at my work and, like, on a critical level, um, opened my eyes as well to the message I could... Um, bring to my photos as opposed to just like taking a really pretty photo and retouching it. Um, using symbolism, using body language to translate a message. And once someone looked at my work that way, it changed my whole perspective on like what the work could actually look like. As opposed to like, oh, it's a pretty photo. No, that's, that's really it. Yeah. How are you on perfectionism? Um, my professionalism or generally? No, no, wait, not professionalism. We can get to that. Good point. But perfectionism so wanting things to be constantly at a hundred um i am very big on perfectionism i don't beat myself up about it if it's not perfect but i am a very visual person and things need to you know just like fit into their specific pockets and 
it's hard when you're never satisfied with something, but um, knowing that it's not you, it's just how things are. But I try and get as close as possible to perfection. And especially with the series I'm working on now, it's really like it's, it's, it's heavily based on technique and lighting and form and how the person looks at the end of the day. So if it's not perfect, I, I don't want it, basically. Mm. For me, I used to be quite a perfectionist um, to a fault and no work would ever come out of me because I was such a perfectionist about it. So for example, if my reference um, for whatever I was doing, say for example, a podcast, if my reference had a gold mic, I needed to have a gold mic because that's, because that's yeah. what's there. Um, you know, but I have since found, and this is after like other experiences that are not even work related, like a life evolution of, it doesn't have to be the way that I saw it in the initial vision. I have to trust the process to prune it and to make it what it needs to be. One of the reasons why I could never, I, I got to a point where the production got too much was because I was quite a perfectionist in how the audio needed to sound, how the editing needed to happen and all of these different stuff, right? So at some point I realized that that is a stumbling block. The production of it all was getting in the way of actually doing the work, you know? If I was still in the same mind space I was in then, I'd have a problem with the audio that comes out of like a Zoom phone call and would be like, no, that's not the kind of quality you want for a podcast. And at some point you just have to arrive at, well, I arrived at the fact that the content is more important than the quality. That doesn't mean I should be producing low quality, but it means that I shouldn't be stuck at the things that I practically cannot control. You know, we are in the in this pandemic where people have to social distance. So in order for us to have these kinds of conversations, it has to be in this way. And funny enough, it is easier for me to do this podcast because once this recording is done, I have a, an audio recording and I have a video recording and I can just publish that, you know. So it is what it has to be is basically the, uh, the point that I've gotten to in my creative um, career is that instead of trying to make it perfect, make it what it needs to be. Yeah. But I think also, like, on the same thing as perfection, for me, it's like, it just reminds me of, like, just shoot for the moon and land no stars type thing, because it's still a really good production at the end of the day, because you started so high. Um, the quality is still really great, at, at its lowest level, it's still really, really great. Yeah. I have come to understand that, a studio photographer is different to a red carpet photographer, is different to a food photographer, is different to um, a wedding photographer. And I don't know that everyone understands that. So do you have an experience where you were asked to do something and it's like, yeah, but this is, even if you didn't necessarily say it, but you were like, I don't do this though. Yeah, that is true. I have had a lot. Um... One was wedding as well. I, I, I completely despise wedding photography. I don't think I have the range to do wedding photography and all the patience, number one. So whenever I ask... Events I photography as a whole or just specifically wedding? Events as a whole. I cannot do events. I cringe and want to cry every time I get told to go do an event. Um, 
Shoot, which is funny because I took events as an elective this year. Um, but thank God it got cancelled because there's no events <laughs> happening. Um, but we yeah, might be in what we are because of you. Because you didn't <laughs> want it and now it's not happening. <laughs> she thanks. And yeah, just weddings, weddings number one. And what else? I think just weddings was my biggest issue. Events and weddings was my biggest issue with internet photography. And you know and, what it's like? Like if I can contextualize it even more, it's like being a comedian and then being around people and they're like, tell us a joke. It's like, no, like I have specific context in which I'm able to work in. Like, you don't just yeah, throw me into space and I'm supposed to swim in it, you know? Yeah, people just think you're a photographer, so you can just do everything, right? And with me, it's, I'm a specific photographer. I'm a conceptual portrait yeah. photographer who likes doing fashion. I'm not a landscape photographer because I have no idea how to put together a landscape so it looks aesthetically pleasing. I have no mm. idea what time of day to shoot. I have no idea what like angles work better, what direction the sun is. So you could make it work. You could make it work because you, you know, yeah. But I'm not, I'm not the girl for that, no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I, I have, I have, I have seen it a couple of times. And like I said, I mean, any photographer can get the basics down because you know how to work a camera, you know how to work spaces, um, but there's def- one, one does need to be um, specific in hiring and making sure that they get the kind of photographer that is suited for the project. So is it, so what do we do then when we're asking for photographers? Do we, do we tell you what the project is and you let us know? That's where the portfolio chat will have to come in. Like, okay, what? Or like, if I'm a corporate commercial photographer and you want a corporate um, portrait, but I just do really fashion portraits, like just really avant-garde, really like high-key stuff. So just to minimize like this mini misunderstanding, I think if you want something really specific done, ask for portfolio and then take it from there. Mm. I see some of your work that I've seen on your profile on your wall. Maybe talk, yeah, yeah. Um, talk me through what you, what you would explain or describe your, I mean, you've already touched on it already, but how would you explain what your photography is in terms of if I were to brief you on something and say, I need a Neville touch to it? That's difficult because I was telling someone the other day that I'm still actually trying to find my style. Um, right now, I'm just doing all this work just to explore the kinds of work I do like. Um, mm. What goes into that kind of work? For me, it's touch and go. It's like really, um, it's different for every shot that I do. I don't like overthinking, even though I'm like a serial overthinker. I just don't like overthinking mm. when I'm like um, taking photos. So with this specific one, I knew I wanted to shoot her. I wanted to shoot Bonner. Uh, and she happened to be around at, at the place I was at. So we go to the, we went to the bedroom and we just set up uh, one light and then we just took these photos. With, she happened to have that hat, on, that hat on today. So what I like to do is just work with what I have, basically. Mm, mm. Um, so he had um, the hat. I happened to have the chain from my last shoot at my friend's place. So I'm like, okay, why not just do this? Because at the time as well, I was doing a beauty portrait campaign for jewelry so i happen to have that um in the space Mm. with 
the oranges, I knew I wanted to use oranges. So I asked Joseph to get um, oranges in the morning. And he happened to have a durag on because he was doing his waves. And that was the shot. So I don't like, especially my best work is like the work that I've never, like, I didn't really plan. Um, the work mm. that I really over plan and like, because I, I think I have too, too much time to think about it and then just back out. Be like, oh, no, maybe it's like a bad yeah. thing. Or maybe it's like, um, like, maybe it won't translate properly because I don't have the right light with my camera or whatever. So the, my favorite works are the ones that don't, that happened on the spot, um, the collaborative effort from my mm. person, my and the person that I'm shooting. Um, yeah, so I don't have like a serious workflow. Mm. I just really like working with what I have. Well, I think that takes us back into collaboration, right? In terms of when you step into that space where you're creating now this image or this series of images, it, it just becomes a like a contribution of what else can we put here? What did you bring? Okay, maybe we can do this. Or, you know, that again goes back to the importance of that collaborative spirit um, because essentially you can, you, you only use what just is as your disposal you know, and everything becomes an inspiration. But what I also got from what your explanation is, is there's always at the very least something that is inspired. So I guess with the first image that you were referencing is you were inspired by the model and you wanted, there is something that you wanted to explore about their look sure. and yeah, about her. And then with the second image, there was this concept of playing with these props that you wanted to, to play with. Because um, it's quite an interesting pose. You know, I'd be intrigued to find out. Yes, how did we get to that? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not too sure. I um, because I think I saw a. <laughs> so I was just trying to do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a photo in the morning that I was just going through Instagram with oranges on a guy's um, um shoulder with like a sack mm. of oranges on his shoulder, right? and. After, after that photo, I saw a photo of a guy with yellow hair and two, like a smiley face on the hair, basically. And the durag is yellow, the oranges are yellow, it becomes quite dark. So I think I was thinking of that while shooting, but mm. it was like a series, of, a series of photos that I took. And this, this hap that one happened to be the best one out of the mm. bunch. But what I do love about it is, and also your, your explanation kind of ties into this, is, is the story of... Um, the back of a person's being, you know, um, there's so there's so many pictures that you see of the front of a person, um, whether it's staged or not or not posed. But it's very interesting when you get to play with the back of a person, you know. So that was for me that that's the thing that stood out that I enjoyed. Do you ever step into a zone like while you're shooting? You know how when you're I don't know if you if you often write, but like. As a writer, I often sometimes like will, will just get to a place where the, po the, the, the pen is just flowing, you know? So do you have a similar space with photography? I do, um, especially once, once the light is like exactly what I want it to be, which is really rare because most of the time I have to like manipulate the lights in post-production. But when I'm shooting and this light is like, yes, then I just go, go, go. I milk it as long as I can and mm. just try and work and milk it as much as I can around that light and that poses and then when it's done it's done for me two examples of great collaboration and I want to hear your thoughts about them we'll start with black is king let's go 
because obviously that was a continental collaboration, collaboration. Yeah. you know and i can only imagine how overwhelming at times that kind of a collaboration can be because when there are so many, so many people pieces moving and people involved mm -hmm. i'm sure it can be you know over overwhelming in a sense but also i mean they had the budget surely to put it together the way that yeah, i think did. that worked really well because um the person who was initially leading the project um trusted her team enough to just like let go of certain parts of the project because you really like, cannot have your eye on everything in a, in a project like yeah, that it's literally impossible it's literally impossible so she trusted her team enough to like you can do this you can do this you can do this just checking in every now and then with like little people and little departments and like uh black is king and that's i think that's what's really important with a really big production just getting a team you trust and trusting them to do what you've asked them to do as opposed to like mm. trying to be in charge of every little detail also for me though you don't get to a black is king without an i am sasha fierce world tour without a formation world tour without a lemonade without so right. all of that was always building up to a moment where the team would be able to execute such a big project on Insecure, the people who are part of the cast, you can see their names in the credits for also the production team. You know, it, they don't just wear one hat, which is also a huge part of, of collaboration in the sense that you don't just show up just to do your job. I mean, we all know the, the grassroots beginnings of um, Insecure, from Awkward Back Girl to Easter Ray Productions to how she established that. So for me, that's another example of a great collaboration so what are your thoughts on insecure um so with insecure i realized that um she's a really big collaborator and she like works with people she knows when jadena came on the show and i don't know they were like friends from like uh, back in the day from high school and he she was like hey i need help with this guy or this, this character that i'm trying to but i think you'd be perfect for it and he showed up and did the most and left with insecure as well from awkward black girl there's a guy in awkward black girl that was that is an insecure now so it just kind of shows how she keeps her people from beginning to end and like always collaborates with people she knows from like beginning to where she is now. And I think it's really important to do that. Um, and it's not gatekeeping, really, right? Because it's really not. It's easier to work and communicate because you trust these people, you trust their work ethic, you trust their uh, professionalism, and you know the quality of um, they, they can produce as well. So I think it's really important. I mean, some people might see it as gatekeeping and saying you don't open up the industry. Um, yeah, I I saw a um, uh, a talk by Ava DuVernay, and she was talking about how one of the things that she does or that she learned very earlier on is to always take one person from the project. So if you are trying to build a company, an agency, an entrepreneurial pursuit of any kind, from every experience, there should at least be one person that you would likely, if you're starting on the next project, would be able to use from the previous one. And that's how you build a community. And the thing also about community is that there's a familiar, familiarity and an understanding of way of working. I think gatekeeping is when that community has no regard for anyone else coming in anyone else who's able to add, you know? And also when 
there isn't a, a, an understanding of the responsibility to groom also others who are coming in, because that's the issue that we have um, with gatekeeping, especially in my experience, is that there is a group of people who are from a community in an era in media and entertainment, and it's almost like they're not even trying anymore, so they don't want anyone in there who's going to challenge their way of thinking or is going to break their status quo. And it's also just a case of they don't want to work hard anymore. Like, you know, they did all of that stuff. So unless you're going to sit in the seat and just make the money, it's like, can you stop making it difficult for us? Because now we actually have to think further. Because the thing is, the times are changing. The way you did something 20 years ago is not necessarily going to land exactly. I mean, right now, there are so many sitcoms that are coming back with people watching them, whether it's on Netflix or wherever, and people are like, these are problematic, you know? It's because the, the, the stories that were told at a certain time are not the stories that we should be telling now or even in this specific way. So now when you, you are the newbie in a space and you're trying to break ground and you get faced with um, gatekeeping, it's more of a case of, you're speaking facts, but we don't we, we don't got it. Like we don't want to hear this right now. <laughs> so I, I say that to say that for me with, with Issa Ray, the reason why I don't feel that it is gatekeeping is one, because it, it, it does seem like a community that has grown. And I do think that based on her YouTube channel, she does create a space for young creatives also to do things that speak to their generation. Because she's of a different generation than the young 17-year-olds that are shooting movies with their iPhones, right? But she's also still creating the resources for them to be able to do this, you know? And it's, with collaboration, it's, I love collaboration because you keep on learning and you keep on growing. Like with Issa Rae, she's not afraid to introduce new people to the industry so they can tell their story, as opposed to me trying to tell someone else's story for them, as opposed to letting them tell their story the way they no, you know, so with Issa, Absolutely. it's like, um, I have a platform and here, I know you guys have so many stories to tell, here is a place to do it. Um, mm. with, um, what you're talking about, they want to be the leaders of the new school, which is not possible because you are the leaders of the old school. And it's important to not, to not be afraid to like, let someone else take charge. Like you've done your part, you've paid your dues to the industry, let other people now continue doing what they need to do. Any projects and stuff that you have um, as an example that you've watched or that you've consumed that are great examples of collaboration? I'm a really big fan of music and the biggest collaboration or the best collaboration I've um, come across is Linkin Park and Jay-Z. They had a collision course EP which was so beautifully done mm. and I love when two worlds come together and make something completely new as opposed to like two people in the same industry working together because we have a lot of features and our R&B people. So like if like a rock band, <clears throat> a rock band and a rapper comes together, it's like a whole new sound, which was my favorite. The Collision Course uh, was my favorite with Jay-Z and Lincoln Park. And, yeah, and that yeah. whole album was just a really good time because what they did, they took both existing tracks from okay. discography and Lincoln Park's discography, just put them as new sounds. Oh, gotcha. And that style is really interesting to hear, which is why I'm like such a big fan of. And then I think my also my second favorite is a 
collection I saw online where a photographer and a painter did something together. So that was quite interesting to see how you can take two mediums and put them together as well, which is really cool. Dope. Look, I'll tell you this much. For me, this platform, because I enjoy having conversations with people so much, in and of itself is always a collaborative effort. Every episode where I have someone coming in to speak about something with me, um, it's just, again, creating a platform and a space for them to share what their perspectives are about whatever it is that we're discussing. And thank you for joining me for this one. I really enjoyed catching up with you. And I've enjoyed working with you as well. And here's to hoping that this conversation also starts to spark how we can, as a generation and as peers as a whole, can start to build a culture of collaboration and build each other because we know how hard it is in these industries we belong to, um, just working together to build our own little community to get to where we need to go. Absolutely. And I, I love what the, the point you were making about worlds colliding. You know, there's something to be said for people from different worlds coming together to try and figure out. I think one of the things that I wanted to land at some point in this podcast is that sometimes let's collaborate for the sake of collaborating to see what could come out. And even if we don't collaborate and something gets produced and gets shared publicly, just the activity of collaborating with each other and trying out things together is such a community builder. Yeah, it's such a community builder. It's such an opportunity to also exchange and, as you said, support each other as well. Because I think another one of the things is just getting the opportunity to um, be a support to each other in the work that we do, you know? Um, I mean, as far as resources are concerned, it's like you were saying, let's try to use what we have with, you know, with what we know, and hopefully at some point we can get to a point where it makes money enough for us to invest back into ourselves and just build a new generation that is far more collaborative than it is now, hopefully. And shout out to the people that are already collaborating. Shout out to those. And I think what... I think what we'll do is we'll share in the description box a couple of links or suggestions of things to check out collaborative projects that are already happening um, that we are aware of so that, you know, we can see how this is already playing out and how cool it is when people do allow themselves the space to play together. Very true. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Mr. DiComo. <laughs> and cheers. Bye. Bye.